0: Welcome to the Servant Soul Podcast, where we explore our identity before God and our relationship with God. I'm your host, Kenneth Grady, and I pray that we will be fed by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, and living with passion for the will of God. And in so doing, may we raise each other up as we lay ourselves down before the Lord. This is the Servant Soul Podcast. Welcome this week we're going to be diving into the second part of kindness versus truth. Last week, of course, we talked about truth and uh, and how that applies in the church and oftentimes how it's abused and this week, I really wanted to look specifically um, into that side of the argument about kindness being everything And so as I begin to think about the different arguments available to use, I had some thoughts about Uh, You know, what about those who don't want to be kind? And, you know, do we kindly let others harm people and be unkind? Uh, Or the thought of how do you enforce the law of kindness? And then whose kindness is more important, right? So if me being kind to my loved ones gets in the way of you being kind to your loved ones, then who wins? Do we just both stop being kind since arguing about who is right would be unkind? And then. How do we know if we're even being kind if we don't know what is true? Are we helping or harming in the long run? And are we enabling failure or or solving a problem? But as I begin to think about the different uh, views towards kindness, you know, I, I didn't want to treat this like a debate. There's no need really to chase every fallacy down the rabbit hole. My pride, you know, would have me grind my axe into every cultural ideal that I feel lacks a foundation in reality, but really I think it's better to just speak the truth about kindness. And to start with, I want to say that real kindness comes from love, not fear, because real kindness requires us to put someone else before ourselves and ask, why are we doing it? And are we concerned with what we can get out of the relationship? Are we seeking to promote ourselves somehow, either socially or financially? Because if the foundational inspiration for our kindness is to benefit ourselves, it's really just polite selfishness, isn't it? Often, I think fear also drives people to a very false form of kindness. We've all probably seen and even been the person to smile at someone's face and then criticize them as soon as they're gone. So why are we kind one moment and then hateful the next? The reality is we use kindness as a defense mechanism to slide through awkward situations rather than actually resolving anything. So when kindness is everything in a culture, what we often end up with is people who are kind on the surface with this raging anger beneath, because that's where kindness crumbles. Rather than attaining a mutual respect for each other by resolving the conflicts, uh, and speaking truth, we have come to believe that it's best to suppress the differences of opinion and just smile and, and go with the flow. But, but kindness from a place of fear is not an expression of love. It's a form of defense to protect one's own interests. The problem is we all have a breaking point, And we see that all too often, right? When that sweet and always caring person suddenly blows up and goes nuts on someone. And so, when kindness is used to push back and hide reality, rather than to express genuine love, sooner or later it falls apart. And this is an area, really, where kindness alone really falls short for a Christian. And that is that kindness alone doesn't spread the gospel, nor fulfill our responsibility to do so. Many satisfy our sense of duty to God through being a kind person And then we hope that others just see God in our lives. And it's true. I mean, kindness does go hand in hand with sharing the truth, but it certainly will not arrive at the truth on its own. I mean, go to any university in America and you will find some of the most generous and kind and welcoming people. You will. But with almost no useful knowledge or application of the gospel. Obviously, kindness alone is not spreading God's word. For many of us, kindness is a crutch to avoid doing the real work of a Christian. Um, in a world where much of the culture is embracing doctrines that are contrary to God's word, living in obedience will often cause us to be labeled as unkind. It doesn't really matter how much love and respect you express when you stand on the word of God. If you stand, you will be viewed as unkind, a bigot, a hater, judgmental, whatever. Our testimony very quickly erodes if we place the feelings of others on the same level of importance as the commandments of God. Because the unbalanced value of kindness over truth forces us into an act of bouncing between pleasing God and pleasing man, and a house divided cannot stand. Our job is not to weaponize truth either, but to exemplify it with kindness. If we place more value on pleasing God than pleasing man, the truth of God's word will make itself obvious in our lives. We are called to be a peculiar people, not a plastic people with plastic smiles and false gestures of friendship. True kindness is living in the truth with a love that draws others to the truth as well. We don't draw people to the truth with false acts of kindness. Living in the truth produces the genuine love that attracts those seeking the truth. And I want to turn to some scripture here in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12, and, and reading through this chapter. Now, we've looked at this passage uh, a few weeks back in the lesson about Samuel and his mother. And, uh, but this is really just a, a great passage that shows how sometimes, even with the greatest intentions, whenever we exercise kindness without enforcing it with truth, how harmful it can be to those we love. And so, Eli in this passage is aware of the fact that his sons are, are living contrary to the commandment of God. And the best understanding I have of what was happening was that as people were bringing the sacrifice to the priests to be offered to the Lord, they were supposed to burn the meat or boil the meat, and, and the fat was to be burned off as an offering to God, because in this time, you know, the fat was considered to be the most precious part of the meat, and of course, God was was to be offered the the offering before anything was to be taken from it, because God was to be put first. And it was common during the practice of the sacrifice that you know God was offered the meat. The priest was given some to sustain the priesthood, and then also those who had brought the sacrifice would oft, often be given some sacrifice as well. But first and foremost, the offering was to be to God, and so what was happening was the sons were were demanding that some of the meat was saved for them as they chose before it was offered to God. And so we take off here in verse 15 of chapter 2, which says, Also before they burnt the fat, the priest servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. And if any man said unto him, Let them not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as thy soul desireth, Then he would say, then he would answer him, Nay, but thou shalt give it me now, and if not, I will take it by force. Wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. So those bringing a sacrifice put God's word above the desire of the priest. How many of us today would say, oh, sure, go ahead, right? (laughs) Take what you want. I mean, I don't think God would mind, right? We would sooner dishonoring God then cause a stir with somebody we don't even know. I mean, isn't that the kind thing to do? <laughs> we weigh the value of right and wrong on the basis of how reasonable it feels, rather than how it compares with fact. The fact was the sons of Eli were dishonoring God. And then in verse 22, it says, now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did unto all Israel and how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And he said unto them, Why do ye such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. Nay, my sons, for it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge shall judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not unto the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. And the child Samuel grew on, and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. And there came a man of God unto Eli, and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt, Pharaoh's house? And did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice, and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel my people. So Eli failed to preserve his sons because he chose short-term kindness over the long-term truth. He knew they needed to be corrected, but his desire to preserve his relationship with the sons became more important than upholding truth. And when we try to preserve a person or relationship by ignoring or perverting the truth, we not only fail at integrity, but we fail as a friend. Had Eli upheld the law of God and resolved to correct his sons, what would have at first been received as an act of unkindness and harsh treatment, in the end, may have saved their lives. So, as God said in verse 29, Eli honored his sons above God, and in the end, he hurt his relationship with God and lost his sons to their sin. In verse thirty-four it says, "This shall be a sign unto thee, that shall come upon thy two sons, on Hophni and Phineas, in one day, they shall die both of them." Kindness from a heart of love is an intervening love, not one that is permissive to sin. It wasn't Eli's love that failed to stop his sons from abusing their power. We see that he made an effort to give them advice. But why did he just stop there? Was it that he feared? That he would lose his relationship with his sons? Was he afraid that if he dealt with them harshly, they would cast him away and he would lose his power or position? Whatever the motivation was, it was out of touch with the truth. The only only the truth and kindness together could have restored his sons in their relationship. And so kindness is a side effect, not a substitute for truth. Living in the truth of God is the life of esteeming others better than ourselves, and so naturally produces this genuine kindness that attracts people to the gospel. We are called to be like Christ, who spent his life serving others with meekness and love. Sometimes, however, being of true service means also speaking a painful truth. And it was speaking these truths that ultimately caused the masses to turn on him and yell crucify. See, the world wants a type of kindness that, is free from the consequence of truth. As a Christian, we want to emulate the Christ that was a hero, a healer that that everyone was glad to see come into town. Uh, It's much harder to emulate the Christ who spoke the truth that nobody wanted to hear. Christ spoke it because he loved sinners and desired them to see the consequences of sin and repent. He loved them enough to be hated so that they would be saved are we willing to speak the truth and risk losing the hero Christ status in the name of preserving our loved ones? And this is an area where we so easily fall short, the example of Christ. We choose being the cool friend or the supportive family or the sweetest person at work over being a real friend. We would sooner watch our loved ones march death row, all the while smiling and telling them you know how great they are before risking our shiny kindness exterior in the name of truth. We can all see people in our lives on the broad path that leads to destruction. And and true kindness would share the gospel and strive with others to lead them to the cross. So many times we choose a self-serving kindness that preserves our image as a great person and stand by in silence. It's like watching someone drown and not throwing them the floaty because you think they'll be angry if it hits them wrong. As I said in part one, it's not that we truth vomit on others to show them how gross they are in the sight of God. That's both ridiculous and harmful to the cause of Christ. But kindness seeks the opportunity to help others and share what we have in the service of others. So as Christians, we have the truth of the gospel. To not share that truth with others is the most selfish form of unkindness that I can imagine. The problem isn't kindness versus truth. The problem is when we forget that love is a two-sided coin, kindness on one side, truth on the other. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-6 says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy, love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Amen. Thanks for listening, and until next time, may we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen.